Hey, heard you missed us. We're back. Yeah, we're dropping the deuce. This is the conclusion to our epic Van Halen episode. So without further ado, let's get back to the drinking. Johnny is going to kick off the top ten. And this is another entry from Van Halen 2, and one we have touched on a couple times already. Johnny, what do you think about Out of Love Again? Woo! Against a super monster. I mean, the riff that Eddie plays on Out of Love Again is absolutely just monstrous. It's just crushing. It's crushing. And uh, I think it's just unbelievable. Great song. Um, I actually... You know, went back and forth. I mean, I had it as my look here, number six for me, all-time Van Halen songs. I know my 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 brother Ruben De La Rosa. I love that guy. Puts that, and I know Ian. You love that guy. You know, puts that up in really high higher guys. But I I do too. I mean, I think the the riff is so aggressive. It's such an aggressive riff. And Dave's lyrics, Dave's lyrics are so aggressive and so hostile. I mean, I, I love the song. I mean, I think it's great. Um, I think Eddie's all over the place, all over the neck of the guitar. I mean, it's just a, just a, just a sonic, sonic killer. And uh, I think it's an awesome song. Definitely top, top ten for me. Love it. Edwin. One of my favorite Van Halen songs. Made my top 15. Only didn't make my top 10 because the top 10 is just so awesome. But, I mean, I fucking love the song. And I, I say Alex Van Halen, we touched upon him a few times before. I feel like if Alex Van Halen was in any other band besides Van Halen, he'd be the star of the band. You know, he'd be that amazing drummer. Like uh, John Bonham or, um, you know, Jimmy Chamberlain, like in the Smashing Pumpkins, like he'd be this drummer that people would talk about. But he just happened to be in a band where his brother was Eddie Van Halen and his singer was David Lee Roth. So he becomes, just because of that, he becomes like the third tier guy, you know? But he's not a third tier drummer by any means, you know? And if you listen to his drumming throughout this fucking song, it's fucking amazing. And and it's just, it's a, it's a groove song to me. Like you hear this, and, and this is, again, another song that separates Van Halen from a lot of their imitators. Like, even though it's hard, even though it's heavy, there's a groove. There's, like, this persistent groove between Alex and Eddie. They had this weir- weird, kind of like the Young Brothers, you know, they had this kind of, I don't know, like, it's like a, those, like, a Crimson Guard twin brothers from G.I. Joe. They had this, like, you know, thing where they psychically are connected, you know, and... It's just like they're jamming together. It's like just totally organic, and it's just like very unique Van Halen music. All I can say is that it's a uniquely Van Halen kind of rock song. And it's awesome. It's badass. I love this song. I almost can't describe it. It's just a Van Halen song that's purely Van Halen, and it's one of their greatest songs, in my opinion. Absolutely. This, um, you know, it's... not even a three-minute song, like two minutes and fifty seconds, I think, something like that. And 
it, it, like Edwin said, it just has that groove, man, and and you can't fake a, a groove like that. And there's a nastiness to it, a sleaziness to it. And this is another example, similar to Everybody Wants Some, where I think Roth didn't want to get in the way of it too much. You know, his lyrics are very simple on this. There's nothing complicated about his lyrics. There's a lot of scatting, kind of almost. Um, and there's a lot of that Motown back and forth with it. Did you? Did you? And I, and, I, and I love that stuff. And again, you're you're taking a song that's a very heavy song at its core and adding in those kind of pop sensibilities and the, and the kind of, you know, four tops background singing to it. And it's, again, the genius of Van Halen and the uniqueness of Van Halen. Um, I was very, very happy. And again, nod to Wolfgang for making these set lists, but, um, you know, he, he added this to the set list for the a different kind of truth tour, and they were alternating this and Girl Gone Bad, which is a, a song I love. And I was lucky enough to saw them at the Garden in New York, and I saw them in Philly, and they played Out of Love again at one, and uh, Girl Gone Bad at one, and uh, I actually was at, with my son at this show where they did Out of Love again. And, um, he, I asked him if at any point during the show did I kind of embarrass him or anything with kind of the air guitar or anything that I was playing. And he said, yeah, he said, you got maybe a little too into I Love Again. <laughs> I'll just say this, that, that I didn't, I, I did see the 2012 tour um, and the one I saw, they didn't play this. I don't, I, actually, I don't think they did. Every other show, they either played this or Girl Gone Bad. They kind of alternated. I think they played Girl Gone Bad a little. Watching, watching the shows on YouTube is that on the album, Dave delivers lines like, I don't want to hear that talk. Like, really, really, really strong. Like, just total Roth. But live, it didn't, he was not the same. It wasn't the same. Wasn't yeah, it didn't he, have the same? He did not. If, if you pay attention to some of the deeper tracks that they played on the different, because they played a lot of different shit on the different kind of truth tour. Like they even played like Hang 'em High a handful of shows. And I think what they found out pretty quick was that if you put too many songs into the set list, Roth was was struggling. Like he he barely remembered the lyrics to Hang 'em High. Um, and I think they started to simply, if you look at as they go on in those tours, it went from the set list kind of being mixed up every night to by the second half of the tour, it was the same exact set every night. He forgot the fucking words. You know? <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the album, on the album, when you hear Out of Love again, when he says, I don't want to hear that talk. It's so strong. It's so, it's so, it's such a strong statement. Yeah. That when he said it in at live, it was just it was weak. It was just like just kind of spoken over, you know. But but the, but the three piece was outstanding, absolutely outstanding. And it, and again, back up what uh, I think Edwin had said. I mean, this is an Alex Van Halen song through and through. I remember I re-listened to some of the older episodes of the individual albums, and Ralph and Ian had both talked about. Uh, just how much Alex owns the song, and it's it's interesting because it's not just like your your meat and bones two by four, you know, keep a beat drums. This is kind of 
scatting, it, it, it's jazz kind of uh, roots to it, and he's all over the place in this song. I mean, he's really just doing a lot of just abstract free form, just kind of going off, and it's brilliant. Um, it, it's it's one of Alex's shining moments. Uh, I, I, I love it, and man, when that bass kicks in too at the beginning, and I'm like, fuck. You know, I bet Michael Anthony was pissed when he came back from getting donuts and he figured out that, you know, Eddie already played the bass. Um, just that, like, wow, 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 that Eddie does is so fucking badass. And you got Alex. And, uh, again, this, this is one of the ones, like, th- this is what separates, you know, true Van Halen fans from the casual motherfuckers, you know? Like, you know, you could just look at somebody that really knows Van Halen and say, out of love, and you, you know, the, the, their face is gonna light up the sky. You know, you're like, <laughs> I know exactly what you're fucking talking about. And, uh, you know, and then other motherfuckers are gonna be like, oh, is that the one with my back against the record machine? You know, this is real Van Halen, you know, Primordial fucking. Oh, what number is this song? Ten. Oh, this is ten. Okay, well, it definitely deserves to be in the top ten. I fucking love it. What do we got next? Let's move on to nine, and Johnny's gonna kick this one off. Panama. Panama. Do it, Johnny. I love Panama. I mean, I mean, uh, a lot of people. You know, feel that burnout factor, and I get it. You know, huge video, you know, huge MTV smash. But um, I think it's it, it's one of those songs that, without the whole working of the band, Dave, Eddie, you know, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked for other bands. I mean, because another one where there's that the, there's that huge breakdown where i'm dave i've got this huge breakdown what am i gonna say hey run a little out tonight you know what i mean he's gotta come up with that that whole i can barely see the road you know I mean? yeah so he he's he's constantly presented with these things you know what i mean with as a lyricist you've got a right to this genius you've got a right to this greatest guitar player of all time because at, at 1984 it was it's it's well known at this point eddie's the greatest guitar player of all time and you've got to write songs with this guy and you're given songs with these huge bridges and huge breakdowns and you've got to come up with something and he constantly hits the ball out of the park. And he did it again with Panama. Like, I mean, that whole breakdown with Panama is just unbelievable. I mean, you know, everybody remembers that. I mean, this is popping. Ain't no stopping now. Panama. It's brilliant. It's just brilliant. It's just the brilliance of both of them, Dave and Eddie, you know. And at this point, I'm sure the work relationship was not good. I mean, Don Landy and Eddie in 5150 making the record. And, 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 you know, Dave made it work. Made it work. And that's a fucking great song. 
that's a great song and it's definitely one of my favorites definitely top three for 1984 for me i mean absolutely fantastic Evan, what do you think uh it's my favorite song from 1984 which uh, i guess i'm wonder one of the reasons why it broke into the top 10 uh Although it didn't break my top 10, it was in my top 20, but it was my highest 1984 song. It didn't didn't break any of our top 20s. It was was like, I'm looking at the the chart right now, it was like 18 for like all four of us. I guess it was a consistent 18. Yeah. Uh, And that's the thing, I mean, only because Van Halen has so many great songs that this wouldn't be one of our personal top tens but it's so awesome and so consistent that somehow it got into the the official top ten but yeah i mean any other band would be lucky to get a song like like this we may or may not get to another song called unchained (laughs) uh but in a sense this is kind of like i kind of feel this song is like the poppier version of that song Mm -hmm. and in a sense it's kind of like the perfect poppier rock song of Van Halen. There might be a perfect Van Halen song that we get to that we'll discuss in a, in a, a few numbers from now. But this is like kind of the perfect merger of the rock and the pop sensibilities to me. You know, you got the guitar, you got the fucking monster riff, you got Dave, like you were saying, that fucking awesome breakdown, you know, with his sexy, sexy driving at night poetry that fucking Dave does. And it's a perfect song and everything just comes together in it and i remember like one thing i want to say about van halen which i didn't say before when i was in elementary school and my brother was a teen like an older teen in high school like to me it was like he was like five years older when you're a kid that seems like much you know much older but you know he's driving around in a red firebird he's driving around florida in a red firebird blasting like you know like van halen and shit and he's like banging hot blonde chicks and it's just like you know as a little kid you're looking up to this like that's rock and roll and that's you know that's what being a teenager is like and in addition to that you know van Halen's like it's like it was the music that were like jess spicoli and like fast times original high like that was the ultimate party so as a child I thought of Van Halen as like the ultimate party band. Like this is the kind of music that you hear when you're a teenager and you start having sex and you start drinking and you start having fun and you start not being just a child anymore. And Panama kind of represents that to me. Like that's kind of the sound of that, more so than Jump, which is you know a little on the poppier side. Whereas Panama was both poppy but hedonistic at the same time. You know, so. Yeah, so it's like like as a child hearing this song, it was like this is the music that I will hear when I'm a teenager, fucking rocking out, you know, and partying and getting with women and doing all this shit, and it kind of represented that for me. And you know, unfortunately, when I was a teenager, it's like the grunge era, so it wasn't quite as fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, but coffee. It, it, yeah, but I would always think back to that, you know, because I think you and me and Johnny were closer in age. So it's like, but I would always think back and think, damn, this is like the music of the 80s when teenagers, it was like a, like the fucking teenagers world. Like they had it. 
Like that was the period, as David Lee Roth himself said. Uh, you know, it was you know it was a better time or whatever he said on one of those VH1 things. You know, he, he said, "When I die, sprinkle my ashes over the eighties." Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like it's a- himself. I'll call Ian Wadley's, and I'd, I'd rather take cocaine over coffee and complaining. Yeah, I mean, that, and I thought this, like, this is the thing. As a teenager in the 90s, I thought to myself, fuck, my brother as a teenager in the 80s was having a lot more fucking fun. <laughs> and Panama was like, you know, we got fucking Pearl Jam, but he had fucking Van Halen, you know? And I knew that, and I knew that even then. Even at the moment, I was like, that's more fun. I wish I was having that high school experience in the 80s. Instead of this more yeah, I mean, 80s, when you listen to Van Halen, I mean, you could just just put it in no rubber. I mean, 90s, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, you had to wrap it up. You know, you had to yeah. put the con. Exactly. It all up. I mean, it, pretty much. And that's so when I listen to Panama, I think I think of I listen to Panama. And to me, that is like that is the ultimate rock song for a teenager in the 80s to fucking have the night of his life to. That's what I feel like when I hear that song. It's an amazing song. In the 90s, you had to put a condom on, you had to cry and complain, and it sucked. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Who's next on Panama? (laughs) Oh my god, Panama. Um, This this is one some people say, uh, you know, that they get burnt, the, the burnout factor. I never, ever, ever have the burnout factor. And something I'm surprised nobody's brought up yet is this was Eddie Van Halen's ode to ACDC. This was him trying to write an ACDC song. And he, he said that in interviews, like he loved ACDC, wanted to write a riff like that. And he did it with Panama. But to me, Panama is all about the breakdown. You know, that... You know, as awesome as the rest of the song is, it's all about that breakdown. And, then and that breakdown is all about David Lee Roth. Oh, yeah. And then it's all about reaching down between my legs and easing the seat back. You know, and, and, and what you, you know, you guys were saying about 80s versus the 90s. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. 90s was, you know, safe sex with the condom. And, and in 1984, I was already, you know, on my second marriage and I was raw dogging a Panamanian, uh, you know, prostitute. His name, his name was Felipe. And I didn't care because it was the 80s. And I, you know, I was wearing spandex. And, and, and you know, I, I, I had those, uh, you know, shirts you would touch and they would change colors we didn't care it was the fucking 80s uh, no man I, I, I love this shit what a fucking song what a perfect song and again you know now this is the video era and it was a performance video but I mean even though it was a performance video it was so fucking staged and it was so set up to be the ultimate video I mean you had that you know, they, they didn't do every show where they're coming out on wires and shit like that. And the whole Dave getting arrested was totally staged. Who gave a Why fuck, though? Be Angelus to make it a great video. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked good on fucking film, and it was a great fucking video. And, uh, man, I, leave it to fucking Van Halen to, like, okay, you know, we're going to copy Van, we're going to copy ACDC. And they make a song that's even better than what ACDC was putting out at the time. I mean, it's fucking, it's fucking Panama. 
And I'm there's this weird thing like so many people look back and and I, I think they're very hard on fucking 1984 because of you know the overexposure and jump and everything you know and jump was one of those you know I don't even know if that's gonna make it in the top ten I hope it does and jump is one of those songs I never need to hear again but. I was there when Jump came out. I know the importance of Jump uh, and how that changed rock music on the radio and how it changed a lot of shit. And this whole album, I was there when this shit came out and I saw how it, it, it was a shift. To, to me, this was just as important as Metal Health or Pyromania uh, as, as something that moved hard rock into the mainstream. And, and, and the change to where shit was more acceptable and, you know, you never would have got a headbanger's ball or anything like that if it wasn't for albums like this, you know, Pyromania and, and, and you know, Metal Health. But to me, 84 stands the test of time. I cannot stand the track 1984. I think that's like the worst instrumental Eddie's ever done. But other than that, I think every song is a fucking standout and amazing. And, uh, I mean, fucking Panama. God damn. And I, and, and I gotta let, I gotta tell the story. Uh, my ex-wife, my baby mama, uh, she thought the name of the song was Animal. She's like, Animal. I'm like, what? Well, what did you just say? You know, we're driving a car. She's like, Animal. I'm like, bitch, that's Panama. You know? But then again, she thought the lyric in, in, in Jump was Maxwell Jump. She's like, who's Maxwell Jump? I don't get this song. You know. But she's still pretty awesome. <laughs> you know, it was a magical fucking time, man. And Van Halen were the fucking kings. Panama Sass. I love it. That was, was that 10 or 9? That's nine. I, I'm the only one that hasn't talked on it. I'll, be, I'll keep it pretty simple. You guys have hit on pretty much everything I wanted to hit on with Panama. Um, I will give my Van Halen sob story here. And I don't know if any of you have ever heard this story, but I've seen Van Halen many times since the reunion. But the one time that I was supposed to see Van Halen in their original era, 1984 tour, they played two nights at Madison Square Garden. At that time, my dad worked in New York City, and his secretary was married to a guy that worked for Ticketmaster. And we had floor seats for the 84 tour, like 10th row. Um, my dad came home from work on the night that would have been the first night of the tour. And we had thought all along that our tickets were for the second night of the tour. And this was right around the time when Panama Video was new and had just come out. So, I mean, me and my brother watching these videos of them swinging across the stage and everything and i mean we we think we're about to have like the greatest live experience of our life my dad comes home hands the envelope with the tickets to my brother my brother opens them and i'm looking at my brother and my brother i can see like there's like this horror on his face and it was like 9 30 at night already and the tickets were for that night and the his oh. sec secretary had screwed it up and <coughs> second night and uh, we didn't even uh, we didn't even see the show. That is a one hundred percent true story. Me and my brother were literally fucking crying, um, and we never got to see original Roth because of it. 
Um, we did get a replacement show for my dad. He took us to see uh, Billy Squire with Rat opening about three months later, which was great. Great show, but it wasn't 1984 tour Van Halen. But, uh, Without you know I, anything else, I would be saying would just be repeating what you guys already said about Van Halen. I thought I cried during Schindler's List, but that was a sad fucking story. Jesus <laughs> that is it's, it's a true story, and, and I, I mean, me and my brother like laugh about it when we think about it now. But oh my god, we were devastated. I'm not, I'm not laughing. I'm gonna need a minute. That that shit's wrong. Terrence, good time with you. Oh, good lord. <laughs> That's why I'm drinking bourbon. Yeah, I understand that. All right, that. let's move on to number eight, and Johnny Vogan is going to kick this off because this was his number one song. Woo! I, I can't argue with him. Ain't talking about love. Got to bleed, baby. Got to bleed for it, baby. Oh, man, ain't talking about love. I, I just think it's, it, it, it's the quintessential Van Halen song. I mean, if you have to uh, forgive me right now, I got a, a big lip full of Copenhagen, but I apologize for that. But uh, I just think Ain't Talking About Love is. Copenhagen, I met him, he's a nice guy. Yeah, Bill Lang supports me. But uh, I just think, it, 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 to me, it's the quintessential Van Halen song. I mean, it's, it, it's the it's the dark the dark song that starts out that first album that that lets you know that they mean business and live it's just so phenomenal uh, with the fist pumps at the end when when hey 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 and and the crowd is going crazy. And the riff is so different. It's such a different riff. I, I actually, before before we did this uh, show, I listened to the in- instrumental with 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 no with no Dave vocal, and uh, I listened to the instrumental, and I just tried to see like what what is he thinking with some of these some of these vocals where where he comes in on the end these bridges with I've been to the edge, you know what I mean, and, and it's just. Pure genius, pure pure genius lyrics. Where he comes out of nowhere with some of these random things that only a, a brilliant, brilliant fucking lyricist like Dave could come up with. And uh, I'm listening to the to the music and and I'm hearing it click and you know if you want, I got to bleed for it, baby. He got to got to bleed, baby, and and, and just, just the way he he put that lyric in with the, the way the song flowed is just pure genius, and and to me it's always going to be the ultimate Van Halen closing song. It's always going to be the song that should close the show, and I just think it's the quintessential Van Halen song. Where it's 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 not your party song. It's got your mood, your your low, your mood, your weird tempo that is ominous and just has that factor that gives it a dark, dark aspect to the song. That it it just is brilliant. 
So that's what I think by hand talk about love. I think it's just the quintessential vanilla. I'll take this next because I had it number two. Me and you, Johnny, because this is, this is Ted Templeman's favorite Van Halen song. And he he said in a recent interview that he did after Eddie died um, with the L.A. Times um, that, or no, maybe it was, no, it was Rolling Stone, um, that he said he knew that they were going to be huge when he saw them play this at one of their last shows before the album even came out. And he saw the whole crowd putting their fists in the air at the end of the song for the hey, hey, hey. Um, and he said that's when he knew that Van Halen was going to be huge. Um, and interesting note on this song, and I never understood this. Eddie said that he wrote this song almost as kind of like a mock of punk music, because punk music was huge at the time. And he said this was kind of his stab at writing a punk song. I mean, to me, it doesn't sound anything like a punk song. But the riff is so different. The riff is weird. Yeah, the hey, hey, hey. Right, punk rock music. He said that. Um, But Roth on this is just genius, as you already said. I mean, that whole breakdown of I've been to the edge. I mean, just the the feeling of of him and that and and the the intenseness of that and and the bleed for it and, and all that. And Templeman's talked about that, too. He said when he heard those lyrics, he was like, well, I can get past whatever, you know, vocal shortcomings this guy has because these lyrics are just brilliant um and you know nobody else was writing shit like that at that time it was it was poetry it was it was hard rock poetry and it was brilliant um it's still brilliant to this day ian's talked about it many times but man you know you you talk about any of the great music of all time and it comes down to the timelessness of it. It comes down to it sound just as fresh today as it did in 1978. And ain't talking about love sounds just as fresh today. It could appeal to anybody. Actually, I don't usually like these things, these reaction videos you see on YouTube, but there's one really cool reaction video for this song in particular. It's a couple black guys. I would guess they're in their like late 20s, early 30s. And they do, it's called like Lost in Vegas or something like that, but they do a lot of like hard rock 80s, 70s reviews and just kind of give their, you know, these guys are are guys who grew up on hip hop and and Jay-Z and all this stuff. And they're just kind of giving their take on these old classic rock songs. And this was, at least according to them, I think it's a little bullshit that they say they've never heard any of this Van Halen stuff, but they were saying, you know, they didn't know the song. And they nailed Roth to the core with the way they broke the song down. They said, you know, this guy doesn't have maybe the greatest traditional voice in the world, but his attitude and his swagger. And, the, and the, you know, they were laughing at the line about him saying, um, uh, you know, you know, you're semi good looking. Um, and they were laughing at a lot of, of Roth's lyrics, but they were also saying, man, that's a cool lyric. And they loved that lyric. Like, if you want it, you got to bleed for it. Um, and they were saying that, like, he doesn't just say it he like means it and you can hear it in, in the way he sings it if you look back on it now when you hear songs like when it's love why can't this be love can it can't this be love whatever other bullshit love whatever other love bullshit sammy writes ain't talking about love it it, it just it just it juxtaposes the Roth era with that other era so perfectly what's the best 
It's the antithesis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. On that note, Edwin, why don't you take it? Uh, I love this song. I mean, I love all the songs on the in the top 25. It actually, I don't think it even broke my top 20, to be honest. I know it, it broke my top 40. You, you had it 37. Yeah, so there you go, 37. Um, it says a lot for a band that I love the song. That's my 37th favorite song <laughs> of the band. Um, I'll, I'll also be honest. One of the reasons why I only uh, listed it at 37 was... I don't know about you guys where you live, but in Philadelphia, uh, my classic rock radio station, WMMR, <laughs> played this song to fucking hell. So, you know, and I had a period where, you know, I was working, I was hanging blind to uh, my bro- brother for several years, and I had to, like, listen to whatever was on WMMR. And this was like, it was like this and Black Dog were, like, battling for a most played to death song it was like uh, it, was, it was like all Led Zeppelin and Van Halen specifically from Van Halen 1 like there's a lot and this is one of the reasons why Van Halen 1 is probably my, like my fourth favorite Van Halen album even though I understand that it's like a revolutionary album and I do love it and it's great but you gotta understand WMR played the shit out of this album so it's just very played out Whereas the other albums weren't quite so much. And this song, I just heard so many times that it lost just, I, I want to say, just a little bit of its magic because of so many times I've, I've heard this song. That being said, it's still a fucking awesome song. I love it. And it's kind of the, the blueprint for like the perfect great Van Halen rocker. And I, I mean, break you, down. You, you, want to reinvent, you want to reinvent yourself with that song? Watch Ozfest '83, and watch Dave and Eddie do and talking about love on Ozfest '83. It's fucking magic. Assless chaps from Dave shaking that ass around. <laughs> no, they're really brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. It's like when I like the one I sing because you know about a few years back I started collecting vinyl. And when you listen to the vinyl, you don't skip tracks. You just listen to the whole thing. So, you know, uh, the album, you know, I love it. When it comes into the album, it's perfect and everything's perfect about it. And I do love the song. I don't want to sound like a dog in it. I'm just saying that it's a little less fresh to me because of so because of this one goddamn radio station that played it to death. But it's still an awesome song. I love it. It's it's kind of a blueprint for a perfect Van Halen song. Uh, also, one th- interesting thing because there's that lyric with the word "the edge" in it, and I always thought there was something about Eddie's soloing, uh, even though it was 1978, that sounded a little almost like something the Edge would do in early U2. You know, there's something about the guitar line. It's very ahead of its time. It sounds almost kind of new wave, college, 80s college rock, even though it's this heavy kind of hard rock 70s song it's just it's very innovative it's an amazing song even though it's not one of my even though it's not in my top 30 it's still an amazing song i do love it and it's very innovative it's an awesome song ian <laughs> uh dude i mean it's fucking ain't talking about love jesus fucking christ uh oh my god I'm very partial to the song. This is my dad's 
favorite Van Halen song. And uh, I'll never forget one time he was just like quoting the song, you know, the breakdown. You know, with the, I've been to the edge. And he just, you know, he quoted that whole segment and, and he just told me, he goes, that's fucking life right there. I got no time to fuck around. Yeah, and, and that, that always stuck with me. You know, uh, not only, you know, because I love the song and I love my father and stuff, but, you know, it's like he loved Van Halen and, and, and that meant something to him. And, you know, he told me at a young age that there it is in a fucking nutshell. And uh, and I, I get what everybody said, and I, I get what Edwin said about you know the, the playout factor. This isn't a song uh, that's a go-to, but I don't I don't do that with Van Halen for <coughs> most artists. Period, and I think that's why I hate like radio or Spotify um, because you know stuff's been killed, but. When you listen to it in the context of novel, everything changes, you know, and shit falls into place where it should be. And I feel the way it should be heard. And, you know, I, I've, I've got a smartphone and I, I don't do any of these fucking, you know, Spotify or anything like that. And when I put something on my phone and I've got like, you know, 256 gig uh, SD card, I put albums on there and I listen to shit like albums. And I just think the music sounds so much better when you don't have somebody telling you what song you're going to hear, but when it just comes naturally and the way, you know, it was deemed where it was supposed to. It just, it, it, it's a lot more special. But, but, but I, what, I, what I feel this song is meant to be seen and heard is if you watch OzFest 83 and you type oh, I, in it's 83. I have it on DVD. I've got a bootleg copy. And you watch Dave come out in that feather getup, that whatever it is he's wearing, that crazy feather getup, and assless chaps, and oh, yeah. and it's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Can't be replicated. Nobody else could pull that off. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Are we ready to go to number seven? Well, I'm just going to say, I tried pulling off that look on a casual Friday, and I got sent home from work. So, <laughs> I, he's got a better ass than me. What am I going to say? All right. All and right. Next, next song. What number are we on now? We are on number seven. We're getting close to number one. Uh, and this is going to start a run from this particular album, where you're going to see uh, <laughs> at least more, if maybe not more than that, from this album coming up in the top ten. But Edwin, why don't you kick us off with uh, Hear About It Later. Okay, Hear About It Later is my, this was my number one. This is actually my favorite Van Halen song. There is another song that we may or may not get to that for a very long time was my number one when I was younger. But I guess it was kind of in, you know, when I got into my like late 30s, you know, I this song became my number one. I don't know, something about getting older and becoming middle-aged. This song, in the past few years, became my favorite Van Halen song. To me, it's the perfect Van Halen song. It, it begins kind of gentle. You got the little intro of Eddie doing his little thing. And then it kicks in in that mid-tempo 
rock and it just keeps building and Dave's lyrics and then the harmonies with the chorus and then you got that kind of heavy part you know towards the end and it just keeps building and uh, to me it's it's a it's a perfect song it's kind of like the, the perfect song for people to dive a little deeper into Van Halen past the hits you know even though I feel like this maybe could have been uh, you know I guess it was one of the three songs that they had kind of a perform a performance video for for uh, un- you know for a fair warning but fair warning wasn't really a singles album for the most part you know yeah and, and I can vouch for when those yeah. three uh, you know they did the promo with those three songs yeah. unchained and so this is love were played in pretty heavy rotation on band on uh, MTV but this one was later was not. Yeah, I mean, because I, I was I, I wasn't aware of this song until I heard the album, so I guess that makes sense. You know, I you know I saw the video from Chain on Headbangers Ball, and I got this album, and I always liked this song, but I didn't start to love it until I got older. You know, you know, I kind of gravitated to the heavier, more rocking songs when I was younger, but as I got older, this song just there's something very deep about this song. To me, it's it's wistful. And it has that quality, kind of like Women in Love, but yet a little harder rocking. To, and that's why it feels like the perfect Van Halen song, because it kind of has it all. Like everything I love about Van Halen is in this song, in this kind of perfect little package. You know, it has the wistfulness, it has the hard rocking, it has the eventfulness, it has the melodies. It's all there. And, and there's no, as much as I think as an overall album, Fair warnings, a little burnt out for me, only because I, this has been the, my favorite Van Halen album since I, since I was a teen. But there's something about the song that I only grow to love it more and more as I get older. There's no burnout factor at all with this song. It's a, a perfect song, and there's something magical about it. I don't know, it just has a very deep resonance for me. I love love this song. I uh, love it, uh, Ian. Uh, well, you're I mean, a big fan of this one. This was in your top ten as well. Oh yeah, I mean, if, if you listen to this, I mean, listen to this podcast, you know how much I love this song. Uh, and this used to be my ringtone. I, I think you said you touched yourself when you heard them play it live in 2012. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and that's why I almost got thrown out. But uh, <laughs> no, I mean, this, this, like when I used to call Ralph, this was my ringtone. Uh, this song, I mean, Edwin hit on so many important points that, you know, don't bear repeating. This is, it's got everything Van Halen, and it's obscure enough, it doesn't have the burnout factor. But no, this was one, when they played this, the last time I saw Van Halen, uh, I had 11th row, and I, I, I just got up and stood on my chair and was screaming like a bitch, you know, like, oh, fuck, you know. And I almost got thrown out, but I didn't. But uh, I left very drunk and later peed in the middle of the street. Uh, good, um, true story. True story. Um, no, it's just God damn it! It's so fucking Van Halen, and it plays on all their strings as songwriters. Um, it, it's a pop song. It's a it's a pop song, but it's a Van Halen song. It's a hard rock song, yet it's commercial. 
Uh, I mean, it just has everything, and I, I, I think that's what you get with, you know, the the Dave and Eddie factor. You you just get the best of both worlds. I mean, you have the the technical prowess and the musical genius of Eddie, and then you just have Dave's sensibility. You know, Dave just draws from so many eras of music and different styles and, and just knows how to blend them together and it, it's, a, it's a perfect fucking song I mean I really love it I don't know where this actually fell on my list I know it, was, it had to be in the top five six uh, okay okay top six uh, fuck you then uh, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> uh, this, this was a hard list to put together I mean seriously I was having like a panic attack uh, I, I, I love it, man. I never, ever get tired of it. And it, you know, probably has to do with the fact that you have to be a Van Halen fan to know this song. You know, casual motherfuckers don't know this shit. But fuck casual motherfuckers. What the fuck do they know? They ain't listening to this shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they don't even know First Band on the Moon, and that's probably why they still like Motley Crue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is hardcore motherfuckers, and I love this song. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go right on the uh, the same kind of path you guys did, maybe just kind of elaborate a little bit on some of it. Like, it, it has, the, and, it, and there's so many great Van Halen songs like this where you have that, there's metal elements and sections to the song, but then from metal it goes straight to this just unbelievably melodic kind of pop section. You, you go from the... Which is totally metal. It's almost like Metallica, though. And then, and then you go to, but you can try me at home. And this total just melodic pop section of the song. And it's like, what other band could mix those in the same song? And the answer is nobody. Um, and they did that over and over and over again. And it's a constant theme through this whole top 25. Um, that no band can mix styles on an album, much less within one song. And this is a perfect example. I mean, that, that breakdown, and, and if you, and where I really, like I told you guys already with my kind of origins of Van Halen, in 78, that's when I discovered them, that's when I was kind of like wowed by them, but the real breakthrough was those three videos on MTV, and this wasn't even really one of them, because I'm telling you, me and my brother watched MTV nonstop in 1981, and Unchained and So This Is Love were on a lot. I don't even remember seeing this. I didn't see this till YouTube existed. Um, so this song I learned from the album, but we bought this album not that long after it came out. We probably bought this album six months after it came out. And we, we beat this album into the ground. I mean, and I never stopped listening to it. I really have never stopped listening to it. But this song is kind of the perfect kind of centerpiece to this album to me because there's stuff that, like, push comes to shove that gets into that crooner style and love that song but then you've got you know the the heavier stuff and the darker stuff uh, maybe we'll get to a couple of those coming up but this is the perfect mix of all of it it's it's heavy at times and i love live where that breakdown comes where it gets heavy and they almost do this coordinated thing with uh, um eddie and dave 
and Michael where they kind of like they hop like from the drum set all the way out to the front of the stage during that part where it's like and it's again Kiss did a little bit of that back in the day kind of that synchronized stuff um, Van Halen did some really cool they did during Romeo to Light also if you watch the 83 video they do a little synchronized thing in Romeo to Light that's really cool but um this song just fucking rules this album rules um and i agree with edwin 100 when i say this this kind of brings together all the great elements of, of van halen in one song johnny well i'm gonna have to disagree a little bit oh fuck out of here. <laughs> he he had it at 40 I had it at 40, made my top 40, but I, I, I am not a big fan of the chorus. I just think that the hear about it later, I don't want to, baby, I don't want I think it's lazy. I think it's a little bit of a lazy chorus. I think uh, they John, John, Johnny, yeah. your, your mic's breaking up. Let's go to the next song. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I had to say. That's it. John, have you ever been this, like, like just like, you put all your love and ambition into something and it all breaks down and you're just you're just you're just standing in the middle of the street and you're like I put everything into this thing and it didn't work when you're at that moment then I think you'll appreciate the course (laughs) I I love the song I just I think it's a little I think I think Dave could have done a little bit better with the course Johnny that's my whole thing the whole song you ever seen a grown man naked (laughs) <laughs> and I love the song. It made, my, it made my top list. It made my top list. But you no, know what? No, no. I, I feel like remember that scene in Doors when Jim Morrison goes to the reporter. Do you have you ever hurt? Do you feel pain? <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, you like movies about gladiators? Uh, <laughs> well, right. at, at least just, it made his top four. Just for the record, just for the record, Edwin had that one. I had it eight. Ian had it six. Johnny had it forty. So I, I stand Johnny, by. You're the only reason it's not in the top five, is Johnny. No, <laughs> I know. I stand by it. He destroyed it. All right, number six, and I'm gonna kick this one off because I had it the highest. I had it um, at number eight, or no, no, number seven. And this is in the same category as Women in Love. It's in the same category as uh, Little Dreamer. It's in the same category as You're No Good. And it's that crooner-style Dave. And it's that laid-back Eddie. And Eddie plays some just brilliant stuff in this song. As a be- And I always talk about a bed. I-, I just I always picture music when a guy's writing music for a lyricist to write it to his music as they're just kind of making the bed and, and secrets number six from diver down this, this song is just like beautiful absolutely beautiful dave's lyrics are magic in, in this and it's funny because dave said in an interview that he was actually thinking of like generic hallmark cards when he was thinking of kind of the type of lyrics that he wanted to write for the song which again it doesn't make sense to me because the lyrics i think are, are 
gorgeous and beautiful and so perfect to the music. And there's no other lyricist on the planet that would have come up with the set of lyrics that he came up with for the song. But um, th this song, it, it stands on its own in the, in the Van Halen catalog. Uh, it's so unique. It's so different. But it, it does fall into that borderline ballad category. But it's just so much smarter than your average ballad. It's just, it's so much more exciting than your your average ballad. It, it goes into directions the band had never been before. The tones that Eddie has on this song, he had never played guitar like this before. Um, it was, And I remember him being very excited about this song. I heard a couple of interviews with him at, like from that time where he was really hyped on the song. Um, and, and I understand why. And, and they played this through that whole tour, the whole Diver Down tour. Um, and it's just brilliant. I mean, it's, it's you know, she's got a rainbow that touches her shoulders, you know, all those, those again, I, I get this this kind of cin cinematic image with some of the stuff, the imagery that Dave throws out in the song. Um, it, it's brilliant. The lyrics are, are, are beautiful. The, the music is beautiful. Uh, it's, you know, I had it number seven for a reason. It's one of the best Van Halen songs of all time. Uh, Ian, what do you think about Secrets? Uh, definitely one of my favorites of all time. Uh, uh, Ian had it nine. Really? I had it nine? Uh, man. This is close. I think we all had it pretty relatively <laughs> close. <laughs> Edwin had it eight. That's what I get for making a list sober. Uh, it should have been higher. Uh, I, I love, love this song. and uh, This is one like I would play for somebody who uh, doesn't claim to be a Van Halen fan. You know, like, I, I think this is just something that could reach across the board. Like, just a music fan would love this song. I, I remember being so blown away. I saw on a, a Van Halen page where they're like, okay, what's the worst Van Halen songs? And I saw a guy pick this as one of the worst Van Halen songs. Oh, fuck but that it, guy. Yeah, it make, well, his screen name was Oh, I Suck Cock 812, you know? Um, you know, he had no taste. Um, you know, but, I mean, this song is just so beautiful and brilliant and... Uh, it, it, it's part of what really seals the deal for me for for Diver Down, um, because I, I I could never imagine Diver Down without this song. Uh, you know, with you know you got so many covers and all this shit. But this song, just diversity of this band. I mean, we brought this up time and time again throughout this list, but who else could do something like this? And, and the lyrics and. And I still don't know what the fuck he's talking about, but it makes perfect sense. I don't know. It just flows so fucking well. Um, Ian, really, let me interrupt really quick here because I, this last of this kind of chain of songs, and I put, I, I already listed the ones I'm talking about, but like we've touched on this again and again. But I just want to say this, you know, kind of solidify like um, there, there, there's just no other band on the planet can do songs like Secrets and 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 these semi-ballads or whatever. You know, there's a hundred bands that tried to do it, that, that touched on Van Halen, 
like drew from Van Halen, wanted to be guitar heroes, wanted to be David Lee Roth, but they could never do songs like Secrets. They could never do songs like Little Dreamer. They could never, never do songs like, uh, you know, uh, Women in Love. Those songs could only be done by Van Halen. It, it, it just... Go ahead. And, and I, I just sent it the other day to my special lady, you know, I was sending some songs to her and like, uh, she knows how much I love David Lee Roth. And I was like, I'm going to send you a couple songs where Dave just fucks you through the microphone, you know, that just like, you know, gets you in the mood. And I sent Sunburn off of your filthy little mouth, a horrible album, great song though. Uh, and I sent Secrets and she loved both of them. I'm like, yeah, that's... That's Dave. That's Dave being Dave, and nobody else could pull that shit off. You know? Could you imagine fucking Vince Neil trying to sing that shit? Or you know? Well, was free blueprint. It was free Molly Crew blueprint. Like you released the rock or you released the ballad. Yeah. I mean, it was pre that pre that blueprint of the '80s where you you had the rock and you had the ballad. Even other great singers like okay, okay go to the grunge era. Chris Cornell, beautiful voice, incredible fucking voice. He couldn't do secrets. Yep, couldn't pull it off. No, absolutely not. And I'm the biggest Chris Cornell fan on the planet, and I agree. Nobody could have done that song better than Dave did. Yeah, you 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 need that attitude. You need that swagger. You need that appreciation for all genres of music that I think Dave had and that's what he brought and, to the table. That, that's the biggest thing to me that he brought to the table. And, and Eddie actually in one of his last interviews, you know, back when he was actually doing a little bit of press around 2015, he, he said that the, the problem, and it's funny because he sees it as a problem and I see it as the biggest strength of Van Halen, is that you've got three guys that love hard rock and another guy that likes dance music. Well, right. I think Eddie's kind of missing the point. Strength of the band. That yeah. Eddie, the, the weird stuff that Dave listened to growing up is what made Van Halen what it was. If you just had a generic, you could have had Sammy Hagar lead that band. And guess what? It just would have sounded like every other hard rock band with just the best guitarist in the world. Well, I, I'll tell you what. I, I went and I saw Mike Tramp. I went and saw Mike Tramp play at a local club. And Tramp said that uh, he was working for a record company at the time, and uh, he was assigned, like, his job was to come, you know, take care of Van Halen when they came in. And uh, Yeah, he's posted a bunch of pictures from that, and it's really cool. It's, it's pictures of very young Mike, Mike Tramp and David Lee Roth. So he comes in, and he, he takes Dave and, you know, and, and Eddie, and he gets in their hotel room, and he... He goes up and he starts hanging out with Dave. And uh, Dave's like, I'm going to play some tunes. And, and Tramp's like thinking he's going to hear some, you know, Sabbath or whatever. And Dave starts playing some Motown shit. <laughs> and he's like, what? You know, just, just blows his mind. That's what made Van Halen, though. Dude, that's what made Van Halen. Right. It's brilliant. The people shit on them on the on the uh, page, but I'm a I'm a white line fan, man. Vito Broderick. Oh, they suck. 
Hey, all I know is this. I love White Lion, but Mike Tramp had beers with me. We drank beers. We had a great time. He was a great guy. Love him. Uh, shout out to my buddy Tim Andrews, who worships uh, Vino Brada and lives in Brooklyn, at, right around where they always played at Lamore. Beautiful, uh, great guitarist, whether you like their music or not. So let's uh, move. Uh, John, do you have anything more on Secrets? No, love the song. Great song. Fucking fantastic. Um, oh, also, you guys already said so much. I'll just say, like, yeah, you can't, you could never picture Motley Crue doing this song, uh, playing this song. You can't even picture, like, a group like Poison listening to this song. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, it's a short break, real quick. I know people will laugh at me for this, but I love Look What the Cat Drink. I do too. I fucking love that album. I, I I bought that out. That was one of the earliest albums I bought because uh, I liked that the lead off single. What 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 was that? The Ain't Nothing But a Good Time it was kind of like a fun no, little song. That was open up and say yeah, but you know. Oh, what? is that oh is yeah. that the second one? I don't know. Put the cat dragged in. I like open up. We've already talked too much about poison. Let's go back. All I know is I I like one song and then I listen to the album. It's like yeah, they're not that good. Uh, but uh, Van Halen, on the other hand, yeah, Secrets, is, it's an amazing song. It's everything you guys said. It's kind of song that only Van Halen would make, kind of a half-ballot uh, song. And it's it's great. It made did make my top ten. It's it's one of, the, I agree, it's like uh, Ian said, it's like one of the centerpieces of kind of a diver down. It's one of the things that elevates diver down, in my opinion. And it's an amazing song, and, and I love it. Like, all these fucking songs are great. All right, Ian is going to go. We are in the top five now. Ooh, okay. top five. Everybody that is still listening to this five hours and eight minutes later. <laughs> um, and this might have to be three three episodes, Ian. No, no, no. Fuck it. We're going to put them out in one. Everybody's bitching. Oh, I missed the show. I missed it. Well, here's the show, motherfucker. Listen, on uh, one show. The diehards will stay all all six hours. Exactly. All right, number five off of Van Halen one. Ian running with the devil. Oh my god! Uh, what a fucking album opener! You know, holy shit! Uh, and just it it, it sums up. Everything about Van Halen in the the intro. I live my life like there's no tomorrow. That is Van Halen to a fucking T. Uh, and that's what I, I love about Van Halen. Uh, there's very few, um, seriously, what I would consider dark songs. It's more about living for the moment. Uh, just fucking live your life. Uh, I mean, mm. I ain't lying, baby. I'm only gonna tell you one time. Ow! God damn, baby, I ain't lying to you. I'm gonna tell you one time. <laughs> That's some real life shit right there, baby. Uh, that is the relevant, real deal, holy feel. So all you hookers and hoes know how I feel. That is. The shit right there. Holy fuck. Uh, what what an introduction to anybody listening to Van Halen. Uh, 
fucking running with the devil. You hear that like in any sporting event. I mean, it, it's just part of the, that song is Americana. It's part of the lexicon. Everybody knows that fucking song, and and for goddamn good reason. And I do believe my memory is a little sketchy. I'm a, I'm a middle aged old alcoholic now, but. Uh, I think that was the one where I had my mental breakdown where like I, I just I could never accept any other era of Van Halen because I think it was the live version of that on that horrible right here right now live album they put out and I was like oh no that's not Van Halen you know this is so generic so plasta so fucking bullshit you know white bread no you need David Lee Roth singing that fucking song. You need that emotion. You need that, you know, the music, everything. It's a total package. Uh, really did save hard rock, I believe. Uh, totally. I mean, because, you know, bands that, you know, we love and respect now, like, uh, you know, Black Sabbath and Deep Purple. You know, we're talking 1978. We're in BG land right now. And nobody's listening to that shit. Nobody gives a fuck. And here comes this little band out of fucking Pasadena that just blows the fuck up and changes the face of rock music. Uh, God damn, Running With The Devil. Perfect, man. Perfect fucking song. Love it. Absolutely, man. I mean, there's no better... And I only had this at 26, and it's probably a little bit because of a burnout factor. Um, but there's never been a better like introduction to a band song on a debut album in the history of music. Um, you know, just from the the, the car horn songs sound at the beginning of the album, the descending, it, it almost like gives you a feel of like a fucking spaceship landing on Earth, like descending. Oh, he did that. He'll tell you. And and it, it was like 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 aliens landing on the planet. And at that time, the sound of Van Halen was like aliens landing on the planet. And, and every lyric of that song just kind of describes the vibe about Van Halen. Um, and again, it's it's Dave talking through the voice of another person because Dave didn't grow up that way. Dave was grew up with a pretty rich dad and you know lived on a pretty big <laughs> nice estate and in uh in pasadena but he was telling it through the voice of of you know somebody that had you know been through the bars and everything and, and been through they had already done five years and in, in in drinking and playing nightclubs but uh i live my life you know it just their whole attitude their whole vibe is is summed up in that first song that anybody dropped the needle on that first album heard and uh timeless to this day it's brilliant it, it's eddie at his best it's dave at his best um it's brilliant uh edwin uh yeah everything you guys said and you ever read the rolling stone review for the first van hale now uh, it's, it's laughable yeah it, they actually uh pretty much write them off as a quote-unquote humble pie ripoff uh, it, it's, 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 in that review, it's like Led Zeppelin. 
and they yeah. rip Zeppelin their review. They did the same thing with Black Sabbath, but it's like, basically and, say that Led Zeppelin is going to be nothing in three years. And yeah, and not nothing against Humble Pie, but it's kind of like it would be like the equivalent of if you heard our experience and said, "Oh, well, this is just Chubby Checker's bullshit," <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's just laughable because right from this song on, like not even talking about the rest of the album. This, like you said, Ryan, this is a new sound. This is a revolutionary new sound. That album, 1978, it not so dissimilar to kind of what David Bowie was doing in the late 70s, where it's kind of it's creating 80s music. You know, they're doing it in the 70s. Eddie Van Halen is creating the sound of of 80s rock. He's a guy from the future. Yeah, he's a guy in the future, and it's laughable when you read these reviews that didn't get that, but. The people in the street got it, though. They were like, wow, fucking listen to this. And this just missed my top ten. It was like, I think, like 11 or something. It was like really yeah. close. You added 11. Yeah. So and so there's a little bit of burnout factor, obviously. But to its credit, the fact that it had so much burnout factor, it still came very close to my top ten. Because there's just something about the song that I, it's not, it's not 100% burned out for me despite how many times I've heard it. There's just something really deep and dark and meaty and that bass and like uh, you and Ian were saying about Dave's lyrics and it's that whole philosophy was, that I was touching upon before that this kind of like uh, living in a moment thing, you know, like I'm just here, we're living it now on the streets in the moment and the whole vibe, it's not just the music, it's also the vibe and atmosphere of Van Halen that felt like something fresh and new. And it and it still sounds very fresh now. Like Running with the Devil feels like a 2020 song. It doesn't just sound like a 1978 song. And that's one of the reasons why it's not burned out for me. And yeah, it's a it's a masterpiece. It's like one of the greatest rock songs ever written. Like all these songs. <laughs> Absolutely, Johnny. You had this very high up on your list at number seven. Running with the Devil. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think it's a total masterpiece, and I think that it is very unique. And uh, Gene, of course, the whole car horn thing at the beginning, Gene says that was his idea. It was supposed to be at the end of uh, House of Pain when he was producing their demos, and he, he put it, Gene says, Simmons, he put it at the beginning of Running with the Devil. Yeah, but, oh, it is on the Zero demo, so I believe it. It probably is the case, and it was, yeah, yeah probably true. And, and it does sound great. And 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 the the thing of it is, is it's it's your introduction to Van Halen. It's your introduction to this band. It's their first first album. But you don't e- even hear David Lee Roth sing until post one minute in but what you hear is him just do crazy ah yeah you know crazy you know Davisms and stuff uh, through the first minute of the song and and that's just to me at that point in time in 1978 is is rare and you, you just hear you just scat yeah just that's what you hear for the first minute of the song and throughout the song, and you hear that, Goddamn, baby, I'm gonna tell you one time. Ow! <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just a I dick. Love how, 
different song. I, 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 had a random, I had a random friend that I worked with back when I was in my like late 20s who did that like little piece perfectly. Like he sounded just like David Lee Roth and, and I would make him do it all the time. God damn it, I tell you one time! I can't do it that good, but you know, I mean... Johnny, I give you a 7 on that, on a 10 scale on that. It's, it, it, it's just amazing that, that, that that's the intro that you hear to that band. I mean, that, that's, that's them introducing themselves to the world, and it's pretty insane. Um, you good? You done, Johnny? You got anything left yeah, on the yeah, run with the devil? Yeah, masterpiece. Masterpiece song. All right. I, I, I was just gonna say real quick. I love how Gene takes credit for the car horn, but uh, he won't cop to writing Cadillac Dreams. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he, he's trying to revisit history. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gene is beautiful. I actually, I will say, Gene. I've seen a couple uh, interviews with him since Eddie passed, and he was really fucking cool about Eddie. Um, Hey, he gave it a shot. It wasn't like him and Paul saw, they both saw something in Van Halen. It was not their fault that they're mad at dickheads. Have you seen any of their interviews? I haven't that, seen the recent interviews, but I know the story. I mean, he, he produced a demo. They no, gave but, it to their people. They can't help it that their people were clueless. You know, they gave it a shot. You know, that's just the business. You know, he, look up the interview that Gene did with Entertainment Tonight right after Eddie died and it shows more heart and gene than I think any interview I've ever seen um, it's it's actually it really made me believe that gene like still had a real soft spot in his heart for Eddie yeah I, I can imagine that I'll and, watch it yeah I can see and, that and, and I don't see a lot of humanity out of Gene Simmons I'm sorry I mean it's just fact the guy is like a, a money making robot and it's one of the first times I've seen him kind of be a little bit vulnerable, and and like it, you could see that it shook him, and and how much he respected Eddie, and how much uh, he knew that Eddie was on another planet from everybody else. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, I saw an interview with Gene where he said <clears throat> the minute he saw Eddie Van Halen play, he knew he could self-kiss unmasked COVID masks. Leave it to Ian to, to break up me actually waxing poetic on Gene Simmons. <laughs> kind of my job, it's what I do. <laughs> oh, that's so, great. He saw it all. So he, has, he, has, he has perfect so comedic timing. <laughs> Just be careful, Ian, about that restraining order. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go to number four here, and I'm gonna kick this one off because I have this very eye. This was number three for me, and it is possibly, maybe, but maybe not the last song from my favorite Van Halen album. And fair warning, and it's Mean Street. I mean, this song, I. We talk about certain songs where Alex shines, Michael shines. We haven't talked about many that Michael shines, but Eddie shines, David shines. This song, everybody shines. Eddie, the again another just brilliant intro that 
can almost stand as a completely separate track from itself. Um, but I really focus on Dave's lyrics, and number four is Mean Street. Um, and Mean Street, to me, the, the Eddie gives it the tone, and I have to give him that because that's what creates, and it gets Roth's crazy brain working, but... The, the lyrics that Roth came up to this, I think Roth's two best lyrical albums with Van Halen are Fair Warning and A Different Kind of Truth. And I think he got, I honestly think if I'm being honest and I am a David Lee Roth, I'm like Ian is like, you know, I'm not a religious guy. Like I'm fine with David Lee Roth being my God. What do you always say, Ian? Ian is my Lord and Savior. <laughs> He doesn't say God bless, he says Dave bless. That's right. Um, and I love that. And I'm kind of like Ian, I, I, I'm not, it's funny, because my entire family, my wife, my kids, they're all Catholic, but I'm just, I, you know, I'm just a guy. I am not a religious guy. <laughs> um, and uh, I can't believe we got our religion on this interview, on this review, but. Um, Don't get too deep, Ryan. Come on. <laughs> It is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Come on. But, but D- Dave and, and, and Dave, I watch your parents. Right, there's that. Dave and Eddie and Paul McCartney and John Lennon, those guys to me are gods. All right. They, they, that That's my gods. Anyway. Well, it's but, all, at least they give you something. So that, so but, but getting back to Mean Street and, and, and they're real. <laughs> and, and you can something act- you can actually and listen to. You can actually see them and listen to them. Yeah, but um, Mean Street, it gets back to that cinematic thing that I'm always talking about with Roth, where he, he, there's a there's a character in this song. The, the lyrics of the song are absolutely brilliant from start to finish. Um, and, and I love, and I, when we were pre-gaming for this thing, we were sending pictures back and forth, our favorite Van Halen pictures. And I've actually put together this like mon. I, I have a wall in my basement that has like 20 frames on it, and I switch pictures in and out. And I, you know, all my favorite bands of all time. And I did like a Van Halen takeover on. And one of the pictures I had was that back cover um, or inner sleeve. That. That's why I, I, I messaged. I, I have to admit, I had this album on tape. I didn't have it on vinyl. It was the wall with the uh, lyrics from this song on the inner sleeve or the back album? Right, inner sleeve. Alright, so the inner sleeve... That's totally correct. They're, they're, they're backwards. But it's they're back, yes, they, they have them flipped, but that is my favorite Roth lyric of all time. Nothing will ever top it. Um, just the whole vibe of the song. Again, it has that post-apocalyptic kind of feel. Um... The dirtiness to it, the, the 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 sleaziness of it, like Eddie laid that bed and and Roth just fucking like it was like a. If you're a baseball fan, you'll hear of hitters say where they like the ball looks like a balloon to them when they're hitting when they're hot. Well, I think like when Eddie handed over that song to Roth, it, it was like a fucking globe. It was a balloon, like the easiest pitch to hit ever, and he knocked it out of the fucking park. Mean Street rules. It's perfect. It's brilliant on both ends. Uh, doesn't get any better. Um, my 
favorite song on my favorite Van Halen album. Johnny, what do you got? Unbelievable. And the lyric the lyrics are just kick ass. I mean Eddie's intro to that song is just totally brilliant. Totally brilliant. I mean it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, I am a little bit concerned that uh, there may be a restraining order on Ian by Terrence, but I'm not going to talk about that any further. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Mean Street, just just brilliant. And, and, and even the no, no, the no Holds Barbecue version with Dave, I think, is brilliant, too. I mean, I love that. I think it's, it's awesome. Um... I mean, Mean Street is just one of those songs that has so much Van Halen attitude. So much attitude, and it's such a great way to kick off Fair Warning. It just kicks that album off so much. Just intensity and steam. And, uh, like, the, the picture you put off. I mean, it's got quotable lyrics that are just brilliant. Just brilliant. That you can't... You can't ever, ever imitate. No one will ever be able to do that again. And nobody writes a lyric like that. Like, no. Roth is, is on his own planet. Mm-hmm. It's just unbelievable. Pure fire. Well, you know, I, I, I gotta say, I mean, yeah, it's an all-time classic. And, uh, you know, you guys have talked about how, you know, Roth's vocals and lyrics and, and Eddie's guitar... But, uh, you know, I want to refer to an interview where Eddie was talking about the song, and he said it was Michael Anthony that really shined. Because <laughs> while, <laughs> while Eddie was playing bass, uh, Mike Anthony was waxing his car. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, no, man, it's, it's, it's fucking Mean Streets, man. Oh, my God. It's that fucking rip. Oh, holy shit. Michael Anthony, Michael Anthony absolutely got the VHS for Mean Streets, and I totally believe this. He got the videotape, and Eddie said, play it like this, Mike. John, what is the, what is the note from Eddie say on that videotape picture that you always post? It says, Mike, play it just like this. <laughs> Long friend, Edward. Wait, wait, did, did Eddie Van Halen, did, did, did he go into the future and he got the Oakland performance video and then he went back and played it for Michael Anthony and said, play it like this. Play it just <laughs> your friend, Edward. I mean, the only thing cooler than that was the note that Mick Mars gave Nikki Six on the Shot the Devil tour. He said, don't plug in your bass. <laughs> stand up there uh, no man it's fucking mean streets man I mean in fucking incredible I mean it's so fucking heavy and if I, you know at the time that came out you had other bands that were you know technically heavier I mean look at what Iron Maiden was doing in the 81 uh, you know look at what Motorhead all these other bands Judas Priest and stuff like that but Eddie just came out with this dirty fucking nasty rip I mean just that is a sick fucking rip and, and what where Dave took it and, and here is the band that is like the ultimate party band 
you know, and everything's about, you know, having a good time and doing all this, and then they come out with Mean Street and just, you know, I kind of understand why that album wasn't the seller, you know, it's still not one of their best-selling albums, you know, it's highly regarded, but at the time, it's like, whoa, where's this party band, you know, where's Dance the Night Away, you know, what's this shit, and... It was a great example of the tension that was within the band at that time. You know, that's when Eddie was first like, oh, I can't work with Dave anymore. You know, and, you know, what do, what do we, I want to do this, you know, I, I want to play fucking keyboard shit, you know, and Dave's like, no, do this. But it was that, that, that push and pull that just made that's it. Great. Just like uh, that, again, I put those lyrics into the right order from the wall see a gun is real easy in this desk part of town turns you from hunted into hunter go and hunt somebody down I mean the, the attitude in that the, the again that that I, I I always think that Dave is looking at this shit from like kid sitting in front of a TV his whole life and just visionizing this kind of like you know movie character and it, it just the, the the vision that 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 those kind of lyrics bring it adds such an element to that already like dark like music that Eddie's playing is fucking brilliant, absolutely brilliant, amazing. But but to give credit to Eddie, you know Dave thought that shit because Eddie came up with that music and like you know originally they were gonna open this album broke, you know the ending, yeah. uh, the last album. But, you know, it's like Eddie does his shit and he does that cool tapping intro and comes up with that fucking nasty, dirty riff. And it's just like, fuck that shit. This is the new album. Like, he, he himself evolved. And the, I feel like that riff helped key off, like, Dave on where to go. You know, and that's not, you know, discredit to Dave. No, but, I, I, yeah. I agree with you 100%. I mean, yeah. listen, yeah. It, it is well documented that Fair Warning is... is Eddie's album. Yeah. I mean, he kind of set the tone. That's the thing. He, no, he, he set the dark tone. And Dave was just given it, given music. Like you write, you write lyrics to that. This yeah. is what. And to Dave's credit, he's you know he he's a smart guy. He kind of pictured what this music made him feel, and that was it. It was fucking Mean Street because Eddie was playing Mean Street before it was even called Mean Street. It was in that riff. Agreed 100%. Listen, I mean, as much as I love Dave, I'm honest. Listen, he never even came, as much as I love to eat him and smile, he never approached the brilliance of Van Halen. Without Eat him and smile, maybe, but not after that. I tend to disagree. I I think Eat him and smile, I, I might actually put even above 84. But no, I agree with you there. Yeah, but after that album, I agree. Yeah, not after that album. Buffalo, like Ladies Night in Buffalo, is on top of anything that he did for quite some time. But he still, he still had the Van Halen hangover at that period that inspired him. John, you're misconstruing what I'm saying. I love a lot of Dave Soul. Love it. A DLR band, I think, is a great album. Right. Eat Him and Smile is an all-time classic album, but it's still 
not as good as the best of us Van Halen. That, that's all I'm not saying. Not the best Van Halen. No, but no, Dave did some great stuff on his own, some brilliant stuff on his own. And they, you're, you're, you're just overtaking what I was saying. That's all I'm saying. I, I love a lot of Dave's solo stuff. I, I've seen Dave's solo live more than I've seen Van Halen. So, I mean, I, I love Dave. But the, you just, again, it's... I just, it's, as a song, like a song like Ladies Night in Buffalo... Is probably on par with a lot of diver downs. Agreed. Oh no, I, I think if you, if you were putting like Dave's solo stuff into the mix with Van Halen, if I was making a top forty, there would probably be three or four or five uh, Dave solo songs that would sneak into that top forty. Yeah, I, I like a lot of Dave's solo stuff. There's a lot of Dave's solo stuff that I think is mediocre or horrible, um, but there's also a lot of gems. In, in Dave Solo stuff. But let's not get off on too much of a tangent on that. Is everybody good with Mean Street? Anybody need to chip in any more on that one? All right. Uh, I'm going to lead off on this one because this is my number one. And it's number three, I'm the one. Um, the same thing that I think Edwin said about here, about it later, I hear and I'm the one. And, and because it was on their first album, this is the song that encapsulates the crazy, all-over-the-place, mad scientist dynamic of Van Halen. And that it just starts off as this ripping guitar riff. I mean, just, I mean, that fucking opening riff of I'm the One is just on, to quote a song from that album, it's just on fire. That, that opening riff is just fucking burns your hair off if you're too close um and then once you get into Roth you know leaning into that song I mean and we already talked about this probably I don't know two hours and 15 minutes ago uh but we all got pissed off women (laughs) oh oh, you mean when we were talking about the number 10 song (laughs) But I'm the one, I mean, it, 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 it just has that, like, dynamic that's all over the place where it goes from heavy metal song to a fucking barbershop quartet and bop, 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 What hard rock band is that had ever put that into music before? Nobody. Nope. And it only happened because... You know, Clapton, Sabbath-influenced Eddie met, you know, a guy that was from Indiana and New York City and Pasadena at the same time in in David Lee Roth, and that, that he had grown up all over the place and had these different experiences, completely different experiences than David Lee Roth than Eddie Van Halen had. And he brought a completely different element to Eddie's kind of metal or jamming or guitar style at that time and this song is the ultimate example of that in those harmonies I mean it's just uh, nobody's ever done anything like that where you have this unbelievably ripping metal riff for the first minute and a half two minutes of the song and then a breakdown ends up into a barbershop quartet it's brilliant it's Ground, it's earth-shaking. It's 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 industry-changing. It, it's 
it changed the world of music. And to me, if I was to just encapsulate what Van Halen did to the music industry and, and one song, it's on the one. It's all over the place. It's frenetic. It's chaotic. It goes from one style from another 10 seconds to the next 10 seconds. And that's Van Halen. And if you're going to put him in a capsule, if somebody's going to come down from planet Venus and say, explain Van Halen to me in one song, I'm playing him on the one. Ian, I'm the one. Uh, man, I, I know this should have been much higher on my list than where it was, and I have no idea where it was, because that was a strenuous night picking all these songs, but if there's one thing that encapsulates how I live my life and the whole philosophy of this show, it's we came here to entertain you. Leaving here, we aggravate you. Don't you know it means the same to me? I love the lyric. You know, and that is... That is how I live my life. I am, you know, you're either ride or die, take it or fucking leave it. This is who I am. That's what this show's all about. That's what Van Halen's all about. Either get it or you don't, man. You better, better speed on before you get peed on. You know, it's like... It, it's... It's so good. And that lyric means... The older I get, the more it means Uh because it is, man. Be, be true to yourself. Just do what you do. If people get it, great. If they don't, fuck them. You know? And that can, that can be in your your personal life, your professional life, your romantic life. Be true to yourself. Just do it to the fucking hilt. And whoever doesn't get it, that's their problem. Uh, and, 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 and top that off, with, it's just a great fucking song. I mean, holy shit. But the philosophy and the meaning behind it is so much deeper. Uh, and again, you're only going to get that shit from a wordsmith like fucking David Lee Roth. And he's right there. I mean, Bon Scott, David Lee Roth. Uh, you know, those are working class. Yeah, I yeah. think in his 70s, Stephen Tyler. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, no. Man, I, I take nothing away from Stephen Tyler. Great. I mean, Stephen Tyler and Bon Scott, you would have to say, you know, the the king and queens of the double entendre. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's just, man, that's rock and roll and it's life and, and it, it's a simplistic way to live your life, man. Just keep it simple. It is what it is. And, and what, what a great song, but, but musically, yeah, I love how it's all over the place. You know, you got the Bada Shubi Awad and you got the no, same song. I love Sorry, I've been drinking since 1977. I mean, it's just incredible, man. That is timeless, timeless fucking music. And we've said we've said it again before on a million other songs that we've talked about on this 40 plus or 25. It go, you know, it's just, it's fresh, man. It's fresh. It doesn't get old. It's it's fucking Van Halen, you know. And there's so much music that we all love that is very much of the time, and we love it because that's when we grew up. We associate it with a simple time in our life, uh, you know, a happy time in our life before we had 
cares and worries and shit like that. Um, but you listen to it and you know it's okay. That's this. Okay, that takes you back to there. This you can listen to. It will take you back, but it's still just as relevant today. And and that's what a song like this is. I mean, fucking Van Halen, real Van Halen, true Van. Halen. You know, I I even think Michael Anthony played bass on this song. That's how. Maybe. Maybe. Sounds good. I love right. it. Edwin. Uh, yeah, it's uh, awesome. It, it only made, I think, my, like, top 15. But... 14. But it was a very strong 14. And this was one of the ones I struggled with. I was like, ah, uh, should this just be 14? But, yeah, it's fucking awesome. Uh, this song, like uh, you guys were saying, and like you were saying, Ryan, like, if it, I, I think you could say this for the top three. You know, not saying what the top two are, and I could spoil it, but if Aliens came down, they were like, what's rock and roll? I feel like any of these top three songs, you know, would be songs you would give them, and then they'd be cool and party, you know? And this would be one of them. And it's a a perfect song. It's rock, especially, you know, the chorus, and right out of the gate, right out of the gate, you know, those harmonies. You know, when they get into the chorus and I'm the one and Michael and Eddie are singing along with David, it's like they already got it, you know? They, they got it. They got the sound. And it's exciting. And it's it's that thing I was saying way back, you know, like eight hours ago with, uh, you know, Sinner Swing, <laughs> where they, they can be heavy, but yet kind of loose and fun at the same time. You know, and that's all in this song. It's like... They're hitting it and they're heavy and they're rocking, but there's a swing to it, you know, and it's it's not kind of uh, geometric the way that a lot of 80s metal would be like where it's all kind of like boxed in. It's like they're hitting the mark and they're in the pocket and they're loose and fun and heavy and it's all happening on this like one little perfect fucking rock and roll song. And I love the shit out of it. And just because it was 14 let me tell you this was one of the songs when i saw it was number three i was like yeah that should be number three <laughs> i was like yeah fuck yeah that should be in the top five because it's a perfect fucking van halen song fuck the posers that song's awesome that's why i think of this song love it johnny bogan well i i totally agree i mean I, this is electric eddie van halen electric eddie i mean just just all over the place just Tapping, riffing. I mean, the music. Multiple solos in the song. Multiple solos. I mean, he's just all over the place. Just insane. Just this is the quintessential to me Eddie Eddie song. I mean, he's everywhere, and the music's on point. Just just killing you. Just total banger. And uh, Dave, I mean. Awesome, but that 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 breakdown with the ba 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 be ba ba I mean that that is so Dave. I mean you're not gonna get that without Dave. I mean, yep. and for him to put that just totally, and it just it just it just it, it's a perfect melding of Dave and Eddie right there. You know that 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 song comes together like it does. 
it's amazing. Love it. Uh, yeah, that's why I had it number one. Um, it very right. nice me too. I think it was the number three for me. Uh, five for you. But yeah, very high, very high. Great song. All right, numbered, and I know I, I for the like seventeen people that are still listening <laughs> six hours into this. They're awesome, seventeen people. Though. But I, but I'm sure that Ian will break this up into multi episodes. Number two, and Edwin's going to lead this one off. The last song from Fair Warning, and Ooh. not a Ooh. single, but it might as well be a single. Unchained for Edwin. Unchained. Now, for a very long time. This was my favorite Van Halen song. And objectively, it probably still is. Subjectively, it's just some middle-aged shit that made me go to hear about it later, even though I do love that song. But if I step back a little bit, I go, Lay now it's fucking Unchained. It's really the greatest Van Halen song, in my opinion. Uh, it's, I mean, this was the song that got me into Van Halen for like maybe 15 or 20 years was my favorite Van Halen song. To me, it's a perfect song, just like the last one we talked about, and maybe, maybe number one as well. This this is the type of song that, to me, it's everything that Van Halen's about. You got that riff. Now, this is to me, if I was to say the song that has the ultimate brown sound, it's fucking Unchained. This is it. It's fucking from that riff. And I remember, as a teenager, watching Headbangers Ball in the the Oakland performance. As soon as I heard that guitar chords, you know, those, that opening riff, that was fucking... Before I even knew it was called the brown sound, I didn't know what, what it was called. I just knew it was a sound like I never heard before. And it blew away all other guitar tones I had heard. And it's an amazing song. It just blew me away. It still blows me away. There's very, Even though this is one of the big Van Halen songs that you do hear a lot on radio, there's no burnout factor for me. Every time I hear the song, it's like this is the invitation to the party for the ages. And to go back to something I was saying earlier, this is not like a superficial party. This isn't some pansy poison kind of warrant party we're talking about. This is like a deep late 70s, early 80s heavy metal party where some shit might go wrong you know kind of party and and you might regret it a few weeks later but a few years later you're going to be glad you went there because it added something to your life you know and that's that's what's in this song you know i i feel this song still to this day that there's something really deep about it and it's 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 the magic that it's like a dark party for the fucking ages and it's 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 fucking unchained. It's Van Halen. It's unchained. It's awesome. I love it. It's one of the greatest songs ever. I was very happy to see it number two. And that's what I think of Unchained. Well done, Edwin. Uh, Ian, you have you were the next closest to just Edwin had this at two. Ian had it at eight. Ian, what do you think about Unchained? Ah, it's fucking unchained, man. It's the fucking brown sound it's uh man what a 
I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like 1984 definitely was their peak, uh, you know, sales wise and popularity wise. But, you know, Fair Warning, I think, was their peak uh, musically. And it's everything all in one song. I, I, I think this has, you know, their, their past, present, and their future all in one song. And as highly regarded as the song is, I still don't think it's, uh, it gets enough respect. <laughs> you know, it, it's just that fucking good. It's a perfect song. You know, this is like a fucking, uh, a super nod or a, a stairway to heaven, you know, kind of thing. It's just, I, I, I don't know if the band can do a better song than this and a more Van Halen song than fucking Unchained. Oh my god! I mean, I mean, from from a musical standpoint, from a lyrical standpoint, to the whole, you know, one break coming up, you know, it's just perfection, caught on tape, uh, amazing, love it. Johnny Bogan. Well, I mean, I I don't know that this is their peak necessarily. I mean, I think they, I don't know that they had. If if you're asking me what their peak music was. It was one, VH1, but I don't know that there was one, because guitar players, a lot of people say Fair Warning was their best album, 1984 was, you know, their monstrous pop-selling album, and, and it was a great album. I mean, Unchained is a great song, and it has everything that VH has that makes them great. And it has that special moment where the riff is so heavy, so unbelievable, but it has that moment where there's that breakdown where Dave has to do something. He has to say something, you know, he has to do something, and he comes up with this, hey, give me a break, one break coming up, and it's become iconic. And it's Dave's genius weaving around Eddie and his genius that's made this song so iconic. It's that one break coming up. It's Dave's genius lyric and Eddie's genius playing. You know what I mean? The, the meld of the two. So, I mean, I think it's just a quintessential Van Halen song makes it so iconic. That you know the two. Dave and Eddie. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I... Uh... Again, I can't add much to what you guys have already said about Unchained, but you know, it's it's a legendary song. It's it's iconic. It's um, they've opened up the show many times with it, with Unchained, um, with just a dead spotlight on Eddie with him playing that riff. I mean, it, it definitely just from if you're talking about from second one of a song on, a lot of his great riffs come after like some kind of like little intro he does to the song and then he goes into the riff this this is one where it kind of kicks right into that riff and you know that spotlight on eddie playing that song is pretty powerful um just happened to see this the satchel uh, after uh, eddie passed away satchel had a couple from Steel Panther had a couple other musicians come on and they played a tribute. They played on Chain and it was really, really good. Yeah, I didn't see that. I'll check it out though. Check it out. It's, it's really awesome. 
But but I, I keep on going back to the that that trio of songs from Fair Warning, and I mean I, I think you anybody that's listened to me a little bit on these episodes uh, knows you know my love for for Fair Warning, and it's 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 probably because of those three videos that were on constant rotation it was just the right time in my life I was at that age where I was seeing those so this is love and it seemed to me at least me and my brother from my memories that so this is love and Unchained were being played over and over again because that's when we already loved Van Halen 1 and Van Halen 2 but that was the next thing we heard from Van Halen we didn't we didn't even know of Women Children First at that point and um, it, it like reignited us. We were like, "Oh God!" Like we love them, but it was a year since we had bought Van Halen too, and we had moved down to this and this and this, and Billy Squire and Ario Speedwagon and these bands that. And I love Billy Squire, by the way. I have his entire catalog, but the Ario Speedwagons and the Sticks and the Terrace, yeah. Eddie Money I was listening to at that point. I mean, they all kind of faded. And Billy Squire stuck. I still love Billy Squire, but they didn't stick like Van Halen did. And, um, you know, once I saw those three videos, like I said, at six hours ago, that it combined what I heard from Van Halen 1, you know, just from an audio standpoint, to what the visual of Van Halen was it just completed and it's what made me a lifelong Van Halen fan and uh, you know I could argue I had Unchained number 13 it's probably a little bit of a burnout factor but if anybody wanted to tell me that Unchained was the best Van Halen song of all time I wouldn't argue with them for a second sound here um, it's brilliant. It's everything Van Halen, and there's nothing wrong with it. Anybody else? Anything on, on Unchained before we go to number one? No, I fuck it. I want to. I want to hear number one. Oh, Ian's gonna love number Ian, one. Ian, you're supposed to introduce this one, but I'll 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 hand it off to you. This is from Women Children First, and it was Ooh. actually. Ian's number, Ian's number one, Johnny's, uh-huh. no, Johnny's number three, Edwin's number six, and my number 18, and it's Romeo Delight. Oh, shit. Ian. Sookie, sookie. Oh, my God. Romeo Delight. Uh, man. What a fucking... It's so fucking heavy and so badass. Um, and get whiskey to the party tonight, and I'm looking for, and I'm looking for somebody to squeeze. Uh, to me, this encompasses everything about every uh, Van Halen album put into one song. Uh, I can hear a little bit of everything in this one. And I, I, I love it. I love it. And that's why I was so happy, you know, when they did the reunion album and I heard something like Honey Baby Sweetie Doll. That's like, oh, my fucking God. You know, this is so heavy and so balls to the wall, you know. Oh, man. 
Man, but Romeo Delight, though, is... It's that go-to song. You need a fucking pick-me-up. You know, you need, you need a balls-out rocker. It's everything right there. Fucking Romeo Delight. It's got the attitude. It's got the music. It's got the heaviness. And, and, and again, I, I think Mike Anthony might play bass on this song. It's me. Fuck. Killer. Maybe. Maybe he does. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, man, I don't know. I could go on and on, but why, dude? I mean, the song speaks for itself. I mean, if you're listening to this shit, pause this fucking shit, listen to Romeo Delight, and then go, oh, yeah, Van Halen is better than my favorite band. I was wrong, you know? Uh, it's great. I love it. Romeo Delight. Fuck you yeah. Guys, you guys talk about it. Fuck yeah. Johnny added number three. You're next. Yeah, I had it number three. I had it at number one at times two. I mean, it's been my number one new, uh, from time to time. I mean, it's it's tough, but um, it's a fucking huge rocker. I mean, it's unbelievable. The riff is so metal. Um, but it's it's one of those examples I've talked about where you've got this song where you've got this super killer rocker riff. And then all of a sudden, it goes into this bridge, this breakdown, where Dave's got to come up with this weird whatever it is he's going to do. And he comes up with this, feel my heartbeat, feel my heartbeat. And it's just amazing. It's just amazing. And I will tell you right now, please YouTube Van Halen 2015 Red Rocks. Because during the breakdown, he goes right out to the crowd and grabs some broad. And he picks her up and he puts his hand, he puts her hand right up to his chest and he starts saying, feel my heartbeat. And she's getting all randy and it's just beautiful, perfect David Lee Roth, like it would be in 1982, but it's 2015 and it's beautiful and he's still got it. He's still got it. And uh, it's a, it's just a great fucking song. It's a great song and it kicks ass quintessential Van Halen song um, and I just just Eddie Eddie's playing and if you, you if you YouTube it throughout the course of the time they played it I mean Ed just smokes this song every fucking time it's just it's just amazing so I mean just I don't know it's been my number one at times I've had it at three this time but really it it's very possibly the best Van Halen song ever. Just, just such a rocker. Love it. Edwin. Okay. Well, Edwin this number six. Yeah. This, this. Let me explain something. <laughs> this was the one. Uh, five, my five and six was the one I kind of uh, belabored the most over. Uh, it, it took me about five minutes. I was like really wrestling with five and six here. And I went with little guitars just because push comes to shove, I kind of go for the underdog. And uh, I was like, little guitars is probably not going to get as many. It's not get. It's not going to get as much love as Romeo's Delight because I know you motherfuckers. 
I know you're awesome guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I know Romeo Delight's got to be in the top ten. Like, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Romeo Delight is definitely going to be in the top ten with these motherfuckers because they're cool. Little guitars might not make it. So, push comes to shove. I, I, I'm going to fucking go with Little Guitars. I love both songs. But objectively, yeah, Romeo Delight should be in the top five. And, you know, like I said, any of the top three songs, I would be satisfied as a number one. You know, to me, it's like if aliens come down and you want to play them a fucking awesome Van Halen song, any of the top three would be a perfect song. And it's, you know, like it's Romeo Delight. It's fucking awesome. It's rocking. It's hard. But it has everything that a Van Halen song should. It's very heavy, but it's very catchy and fun. You know, you know, I'm bringing whiskey to the pop party tonight, looking for some, you know, somebody to squeeze. It's fucking awesome. Uh, in that breakdown, I don't know. Like, I mean, officially, it is Michael Anthony. That's what they say anyway. Playing the bass during the break. <laughs> um, I, I, it's funny because this is one one of the songs I've had my suspicions about too, because. This is a little bit of a swerve to the bass that I feel like it takes a genius to play the bass that way. Um, maybe I don't know. Uh, and and Eddie's the doing part, the plucking parts. There's no fucking way that Eddie would let <laughs> would let Michael Anthony play this part. That, well, apparently, there's also part of that is the. There is the part of that is actually apparently I and I did a little research on this. It's like the guitar himself. He's doing some kind of muted thing on the strings, Eddie, along with the bass. That's what they say. That along with the bass, Eddie is like doing some kind of muted thing on the guitar strings. That's adding to the the, the tension of the, the that you know sound. So Sandy said it. Three songs minimum every Van Halen. <laughs> and while Eddie's doing that, Michael's sampling hot sauces. But it's similar. Rolling Stones, you know, like especially once you got into the Jimmy Miller produced era, it's like Keith is playing bass on half the songs on the Rolling Stones albums. So. I will tell you right now that the Michael Anthony sympathizers will absolutely despise this this podcast. <laughs> I, 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 I'm throwing it out there. It's just maybe I'm saying it's fifty-fifty. Maybe it's him. I mean, I've seen, you see these clips live. I mean, you know, he's doing it live. Hey, as long as it ain't fifty-one. Go ahead, Ian. What'd you say? No, I said as long as it ain't fifty-one fifty, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mike is a great guy, but. I love, but that's what he gets for playing in the circle. There's got to be consequences in life. Absolutely. You, 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 know? you strap your fucking lasso to Sammy for 20 years. You, yeah. You're, you're gonna you're gonna catch a shrapnel from the diary. Exactly. That's why you got replaced by Scrappy Doo and fucking Van Halen. Goddammit. You know? <laughs> Ultimately, I, I, I myself, and I think you guys are the same too. I'm a results guy. I don't really give a shit if it's Michael or Eddie. Whoever's playing bass is doing an awesome job. <laughs> and, you know, feel, you know, feel my heartbeat part. That's, you know, it's it's magical. It's one of these great, and you got this a lot during the, you know, actually, well, throughout the first six albums, the, the classic Van Halen breakdown, you know? It's really rocking, and it breaks down to something a little 
deeper and more sensual. And this song does it. And it's just, I, I remember even, you know, as a teenager hearing this part, it's just like, what the fuck? This is like, I don't hear other bands doing shit like this. And it was just deeper and sexier. And then it kicks back into the song. I mean, it doesn't get better than this. Romeo Delight, and even this, like, the song title, Romeo fucking Delight, you know? It's it's bombastic, it's sexy, it's hard rocking, it's rock and roll. It's one of the greatest Van Halen songs ever. I was very happy to see it as number one. Me too. Agree. Go ahead, Johnny. I already went. Oh, shit. That's you, Ryan. You're the last guy on this one. Last. Well, I, I, all right. Uh, Romeo Delight. So, first thing that comes to mind to me for Romeo Delight is always, I forgot the fucking words because that was what he did for the entire Diver Down tour. And leading up to the penultimate moment of the, the Diver Down tour at Us Festival. He always, in the first verse of Romeo and Delight, says he forgot the fucking words, and every single fucking time, the crowd went insane when David Lee Ross said, I forgot the fucking words. And it shouldn't be that big a point to the song, but if you really think about, like, the whole spectacle that was Van Halen, it in the history and the annals of Van Halen, the fact that David Lee Roth literally made it a theatrical part of their show to say, I forgot the fucking words. And knowing at that time in the 80s where there was no YouTube and no everybody sharing shit, that the next city wouldn't have any fucking clue that he forgot the fucking words. It's part of the brilliance of David Lee Roth. It's part of the brilliance of, of Van Halen. In, in that the showman, I mean, it, it's no different than take my wife, please. You yeah. know, <laughs> I mean, and you're right. You've always is that combination of like the shit house poet and the, and the old like you know 1950s Jewish comedian playing at fucking you know the Poconos and Catskills <laughs> and the Catskill. I mean, that's what Lee Roth was, and and that that unbelievably insane chemistry of those two guys um a couple other notes on on Romeo Delight when I hear that whole song and just the party vibe that that and and, and again it's very frenetic it's very chaotic that's the, the it's not a your typical verse chorus verse chorus it, it's frenetic it's all over the place but Roth keeps up with it the whole time and I, I kind of feel that Roth at least the way I picture the song is Roth kind of summing up their backyard Pasadena high school party days and I, 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 I think this song really captures if you were ever if you read Greg Renoff's uh, book Van Halen Rising which is the hands down no questions asked the best book that has ever been written about Van Halen unfortunately other than David Lee Ross autobiography no other member of the band has ever written something first hand from the band so we've been 
subject to a lot of mediocre biographies about about Van Halen, and I've read every fucking one of them, and most of them are just recounting of guitar here, you know, guitar world interviews and and half-ass conjecture. They don't mean anything. They're, they're not real biographies or autobiographies. I wish Eddie had done one before he passed away, but it kind of fitting because Eddie was kind of a recluse and he probably should have never done that. But Greg Renoff did an unbelievably fucking job of putting a picture in your head of what those backyard parties were. And, Absolutely. And, it, and Romeo Delight, to me, is the story of those backyard parties. It, it, it is the essence of Van Halen. It, it's it's the rec, just the fucking throw your fucking hair down, grow your hair out, no fucking worries in the world, fucking let's have fun, Southern California, kick ass, fuck, I mean, it, it, it does define, and I, I added 18, but it tells you the depth and fucking consistency of this catalog. I could have it as 18 when I wrote this list, I could just as easily have it at number four if I made this list tomorrow. But I don't think you could get a much better version of what encapsulates a backyard party at Pasadena, which is where these guys were born, than Romeo Light. You know, take your whiskey to the party tonight and look for somebody to squeeze. That's where it starts. And I mean, that's the essence of Van Halen. It's the, the ultimate fucking party band, man. <laughs> it's fucking Van Halen, man. It's fucking Romeo Delight. How awesome is that that this one was number one? And I, I, I still don't understand the math, or I don't even know what you did. But uh, the list, but we still have one last thing to do. Oh, we do. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I don't even know if you, if you picked this out yet, because I just to give a little clue to all the listeners out there that, like, is it, Ian did get his list in, but he didn't feel part of it. Because he was the last to get the 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 list in, and I don't yeah. know if he picked his bonus too, but in the place where in this podcast history we normally do the uh, the pick of the week, we are going to do the two songs that didn't make the top twenty-five, but we want to kind of just point out as ones we wish had made it. So I'm going to start with Johnny, your two that didn't make the top 25 that you wish should. All right, here we go. Take two. All right, well, my first one is definitely Ice Cream Man. I think it is the best Van Halen cover ever. And I want to point you to, I mean, if you're a Van Halen fan, you've seen the fucking Us Fest Ice Cream Man performance. It's Dave, quintessential fucking Dave. I'll give you a quick preview of it. It goes a little bit like this. Is it a rock and roll night tonight? Began to realize rock and roll night tonight. And the San Bernardino Sheriff came down to me backstage and said, Dave, these motherfuckers are out of line tonight. <laughs> so you gotta check you gotta check that ice cream man. Us Fast 83. It's the best video ever. Awesome. Dave doing a great monologue. Just just 
quintessential. Please check that out. Other bonus anything on, on ice cream, man? Oh, it's fucking ice cream, man. I can't believe it's not on the list. That shows you how deep this catalog is. It should have been every David Lee Roth song list. And, you know, to be fair. All right, Johnny. Uh, your second should have made the top 25 song list. Second is Top Jimmy. And everybody knows I'm a big fan of Top Jimmy. Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs. I mean... Top Jimmy was a was a, a a dear friend, dear friend of David Lee Roth. And uh, if you want to hear a little bit more about Top Jimmy, check out the Rock and Metal Combat podcast episode 1984. But I can just give you a quick breakdown that Top Jimmy, uh, lead singer of Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs, uh, L.A. blues band in the 80s, um, that played at the Cathay de Grand was close friends with Dave, you know, and uh, Dave, the, the song on 1984, Top Jimmy, was about him. Dave wrote that about him. Um, genius lyrics to write that about that person, that local legend of Los Angeles at the time. So those are my two picks, Ice Cream Man and Top Jimmy. Nicely done, Johnny B. Edwin, your two extras. Okay, uh, the first one is Dirty Movies. Dirty Movies is uh, my third favorite track from my favorite Van Halen album, Fair Warning. It was in my top ten. I gotta say, this was there was like three songs I was surprised weren't in the top 25. This was one of them. The other two were uh, Bottoms Up and I'll Wait. Uh, but, you know, it's, you know, but... At the same time, when I saw when I read the top 25, I was like, yeah, I get it. It's this top 25. What can I say against it? But it's fucking dirty movies. It's an amazing song. You know, the way it comes in, the drums and, the, you know, Eddie creeping up with the guitar line. And it's all about, you know, porn star and L.A. It's the sleazy L.A. streets. And you know, I just love the song, the melodies, everything about it. Even when I was younger, even before I ever moved to L.A. and knew anything about it, even as a teenager listening to this song, there was something about it. I mean, it's just it's dark and meaty and sexy. I always loved dirty movies. The other song was, um, yeah, Blood and Fire. Yeah, which actually broke my top ten. It was, I think it was number ten. Uh, and... Yeah, I think I think I'm probably the biggest fan of the uh, of a different kind of truth. I think I put more of that than anyone else. I mean, I love this song "Blood and Fire." Of course, the original version it comes from um, a song called "Ripley" from the Wildlife soundtrack, Hammond Crow's yes. first song. Yeah, and the, and and again, you know, it's like you give beautiful music to Dave. And he wasn't given this music back in like what '84 or whatever, but then they give they give him the music, you know, like 2011, you know, 2011, 2012, and he writes some of the greatest lyrics of his life, in my opinion. I love these lyrics, and combined with this beautiful music that Eddie created back in 1984, and you know he uh, he gave the guitar to Kramer. Uh, the company Kramer Ripley, you know, did the guitars. He had this guitar from 1984. He gave it to them and uh, when they were making A Different Kind of Truth and said, you, could you fix up this guitar? Because it's the same guitar he used for the ori- uh, original demo. 
and they fixed it up so he actually used the same guitar that he he used on the demo which is really cool and it just has a sound and you know it's got that classic dave breakdown and when dave says you know you have told you i'd be back you know you know and you you know tell me that you miss me and all that part i fucking love it it's majestic and it's something that only van halen could create and that's my favorite song from a different kind of truth this is something about that song that really moves me which is why you know broke my top 10 and i love it and it's just it's something that even into the 2000s it's something about it's like a phoenix rising it's like something about this song you know blood and fire we went through all this shit we 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 you know and we we, we came back and we got this again for a fleeting moment van halen was Van Halen again with Dave and Eddie. And to me, this song captures that more than any of the other songs, even though they're all great on that album. This is like the song where it's like, we're claiming the past again and making it the present. And I fucking love that song. Love it. Ian, do you have your two extras? Yes, I I do have my two extras. Uh, Maybe. the first one, um, I really can't believe this didn't make the top 25 in a way. And in another way, I totally get it. But I really think regardless of burnout factor or anything, you cannot take away the importance of jump. Uh, I mean, can't you see me standing here? I got my back against the record machine. Totally agree. I, I, I mean... We've all heard that song a gazillion times, but it's so, so important in, in Van Halen history. Their only number one song. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really feel that should have made the list because there's just something very special about Jump. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm disappointed it didn't make it, but you know what? They're all great fucking songs. Ian, real quick, I just want to kick in on that because I didn't even have him jump in my top 40. But I will say that, and this is just to go back to what we talked about a little bit, like you can't can't even describe it if you weren't there. But I will say this, I don't have to ever hear jump again in my life. But I remember... I lived in New York at the time. I was in, and going back, this is tailing back to probably about an hour ago when Edwin said something about WMMR. I've lived in the Philly area for the last 25 years. So I know WMMR and they do overplay and talking about love. (laughs) I listened to, before the album came out, the debut on the radio when they first played Jump. And even though I love the heavier Van Halen, when that song got played for the first time, me and my brother were a puddle on the floor. We were like, that's the coolest fucking song I've ever heard. Um, We were calling the radio station nonstop, telling them, play it again, play it again. And again, you know, I mean, I'm a 12-year-old kid. Um, And I'm I'm spent with it now. I don't have to ever hear it again. But the magic of the first time I ever heard Chuck uh, 
I'll never forget it. And it will be with me if I live till I'm 60, if I live till I'm 90, if I live till I'm 100. I will always remember that first time we heard Jump and how fucking me and my brother were out of our minds, like couldn't wait to hear 1984. We couldn't wait to hear that fucking album. And that, we weren't disappointed at all when we heard Jump. We were like, oh my God, this song is unfucking believable. And I know there's a lot of hardcore Van Halen heads that will give you the whole, like, we were horrified. We were, I, I know I was only 12, but I wasn't horrified. I'm tired of it now, but, I'm not, but it's an unbelievable all-time iconic pop song. Back to you. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, again, man, uh, you know, I, I think we both summed it up, man. It, it's so important, and we both lived it. You know, we lived that era. I remember when that shit came out. Um, but while we were doing this whole uh, two-day marathon that was this list, um, <laughs> I had one constant companion by my side, and that's Tommy the Cat. And uh, Tommy the Cat was very disappointed that his favorite song did not make the list. And uh, I'm going to do this. I've never done this on the show before, but I'm going to do this as a tribute to Tommy the Cat, to Edward Van Halen, and to Jan Van Halen, Eddie's father. Bear with me and give me a second. Let me take a drink of... I'm 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 drinking Heineken here in in tribute to Eddie Van Heineken. Um, (laughs) Hold on. Here we go. Here we go. Away down yon in Louisville lived a cat named Big Bad Bill. I wants to tell y'all, oh, the cat was rough and stuff, oh, he run his stuff. Had the whole town scared to death when he walked by, they all held their breath. He's a fighting man, sure enough. And then Bill got himself a wife, now he leads a different life. Bad Bill is sweet William now. Married life done changed him somehow. He's a man the town used to fear. Now they all call him sweet Papa Willie dear. Stronger than Samson, I declare. Till a brown skinned woman bobbed his head. Big Bad Bill don't fight anymore. No, it don't. He's doing dishes, mopping up that flow. Yes, he is. Well, he used to go out drinking, looking for a fight. Now we gotta see that sweet woman every night. Big bad villain, sweet William now. Play it, boys. Okay, now there's like the instrumental part. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing this for my cat. You know, my cat's happy. You know. Okay, all right. Sweet woman every night Big Bad Bill is sweet William now 
Big Bad Billy Sweet William now Popping up that flow Big Bad Billy Sweet William now Yeah okay. Yeah That's for, that's for Tommy the Cat For Eddie Van Halen For Jan Van Halen God bless how, how cool is it that his dad played on that song? And, you know, and I, I thought that was, the, it, it used to piss me off so much. I remember reading an article during the Sammy era where he dogged the shit out of Diver Down. And I'm thinking like, motherfucker, your dad played clarinet on that fucking album. If nothing else for that fucking fact, you should love Diver Down. And uh, that, that, that always, you know, it didn't sit right with me. And I think that's why Eddie died first. You know, just my personal opinion. <laughs> that and, and, and putting out albums with Sammy Hagar on vocals. Uh, um, Ian, Ian saved that comment for our six minutes, <laughs> 15 seconds. Yeah, I, I love it. You know, for 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 our Van Halen tribute where we spent most of the show just kissing David Lee Ross ass, as it should be. Uh, <laughs> you know, no, I mean, fuck, man. We all love fucking Eddie, man. And hey, I, you know. I'll tell you a very cool thing from that. And I watched this when it originally came out, but then I rewatched it after Eddie died. That that interview that he did, um, I, I don't even know what it was for. It was for this like an Asian lady that was interviewing him, and he did most of the talking. But he talked a bit. Somebody asked him a question from the crowd where they said, "If you could talk to one musician that's passed away." in the past that you could just have a conversation with or have a jam with who would it be and he said his dad that's awesome see that's awesome yeah that was the smithsonian smithsonian okay yeah you know what i'm talking about johnny um but i thought that was so cool because he see he sat there and pondered it for a second and he goes yay my pop he he said i want to play with my dad um and yeah, I saw, I saw the same interview with Johnny Vogan, and he said Mick Mars, and I didn't know <laughs> Mick Mars was still alive. I said Karen. I said Karen. Yeah, believe me. All right, I, I will finish it out here with uh, the last of our um, missing from the top 25 picks. I'll start with Hang Em High, and I'll go back to uh, a, a kind of, uh, you know, uh, David Lee Roth uh, pattern that I that I've noticed that Edwin said he didn't see that much, but there's another one I think it's a great example, and it's Hang 'Em High from from Diver Down. I, I worship the four original songs from that album. I, I think they are four of the best Van Halen originals out there. I, I had Hang 'Em High like uh, in my top ten. Um, that that. Eddie guitar riff is insane, but my favorite thing about the song is David Lee Roth tells this like dark kind of like uh, Clint Eastwood old you know spaghetti western lyrics to a heavy metal song, and it's brilliant. And if you listen to the lyrics, I'm not going to quote them again. It's uh, 3:42 in the morning. And I'm not <laughs> way beyond quoting lyrics, but it's just 
such a fucking cool Van Halen song. And for all the fuckers who hate a different kind of truth being rehashed old songs, fuck you. Hang 'em High was on their fifth album, and it was, and they had that song before they even recorded their first album. So fuck you. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, fuck them because OU812 was all new songs, and look how horrible that was. <laughs> And my last song to finish out the, you know, uh, classics that should have made the list. I'm going one more because I really fucking loved A Different Kind of Truth. And I agree with Ian on this song, and I agree with Ralph on this song. And again, I don't want to overdo it. I don't want to, but I wish that that Ralph was here because I know he loves the song. But Honey Baby Sweetie Doll. Oh, yes. To me, I call Honey Baby Sweetie Doll the long-lost cousin of Lost Control. It is just uh-huh. this chaotic, where there's like radio, like almost like somebody talking over a CB, like, the, you know, with Lost Control, where he goes, Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. There's like a lot of that kind of distortion and what the fuck is going on. And I have a very vivid memory. If any, if any of you guys remember back, John Templeman, but that's all John Shanks. That's a great John Shanks production right there. Well, we don't know how much of that was Dave or how much of that was John Shanks, but I, I, I will give some credit. Do it, even if he he let Dave do that. That's a great, that's great production. But but do you see my kind of tie to like Lost Control on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can hear it. Yeah. Like, I think that song could have fit perfectly on Fair Warning or Women and Children First. It, it, it's frenetic. It's all over the place. It, it, it's brilliant. I mean, the tones on that song. And I will never forget. I don't know if you guys remember this, but right before A Different Kind of Truth came out, there was some kind of like every night I was going on YouTube and seeing if there were any kind of like leaks. And... For a little stretch, there was like little 30-second samples of songs that were showing up on YouTube. Right. I remember that. There was one night where like four or five songs in their entirety showed up, and by the next morning, they were gone. And one of those songs was this. And I heard it, and it blew my fucking mind. And I forwarded it to my brother and like one of my best friends that I grew up with. And I said, dude, this is like evil, angry Van Halen, like women and children, fair warning level. And I sent it to them and my brother sent me back. Like he was like, my brain is blown. He's like, I didn't think Van Halen was even capable of anything close to this. And this song is so angry and vicious. And, and oh my god I can't believe that a guys in their 50s and 60s could make a song like Honey Baby Sweetie Dow it is fucking brilliant oh yeah my favorite song on the album by far by far but do you, do you get the tie they lost control oh yeah dude I mean it's it's, it's that that viciousness that like angry Van Halen and it, it's a tie between Women and Children First and, and Fair Warning, and it's just like it, it and that's something albums. That that that's something you could only get with that, you know, Dave and Eddie connection, you know. Absolutely. And, uh, I want to thank everybody who stuck around 
you know, for my molestation jokes. Uh, until, until next week, this was the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I want to thank you, Ryan. I want to thank you, Edwin. I want to thank Johnny. I'm so sorry about your divorce, but uh, tell your wife to call me. Um, This was a great time, and uh, I I think it was a great way to honor Van Halen and uh, the music that he created. And I love doing it with my friends, man. That's what it's all about. That's what Rock and Metal Combat Podcast has always been about. Friends getting together, talking about shit. And this was an epic. uh, We set a record for the longest episode ever. Awesome. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I, I, I want to thank you guys. and uh, Six know, hours, 52 minutes, and 25 seconds. Yeah, and one divorce later. Uh, <laughs> you know, here we are. Poor Johnny. The album that ro- broke J- Johnny Vogan's marriage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I thought she was going to leave him after fucking uh, Generation Swine. But uh, I, I think this is the one that broke the camel's back. But he's a rock star now, so it was all worth it. <laughs> only Ben Allen could bring together people to talk from 9 p.m. till 4.10 a.m. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I love all you guys. And uh, I want to thank all the listeners who are still around listening to this. Fucking A, man. Van Halen. The mighty Van Halen. Rock on. Love you too, Wadzilla. And you too, Ryan. Great job putting this all together. Rock on, guys. All right, man. I'll talk to you all later. Talk to you later. Later, guys. Bye. Bye.